All right. Hi, this is William Ramsey. Welcome to William Ramsey Investigates. On tonight's show, I have a returning guest. We spoke back on May 28th, covered his book, The Great, the Next Great Reformation, 96 Theses for Reclaiming Jesus's Everlasting Kingdom. But tonight we're going to talk about a book he published in April of 2021. The title of that book is AD 70, The Movie. And I'm familiar with the history behind that. I've talked about Josephus. I've read the history of the Jews uh, into this podcast or my podcast. So if people want to kind of see the longer me reading that uh, thing of the fall, the second fall of Jerusalem, really an epical event event that this book covers and the screenplay that he wrote, but he can talk more about that. His name is John Noe and uh, Mr. Noe, are you there? I am here. Awesome. Well, thanks again for coming back on short terms. It hasn't been so very long since the last one. Um, for people who didn't hear our last show, can you talk a little bit about your background and what led to the beginning of this project, the AD 70, the movie, the greatest, it's the greatest story never told. Oh, well, okay. Uh, this would date back to all around the turn of the millennium, 2000, 2001, uh, vintage. And, uh, see, I, I, I never, uh, I never intended to be a screenplay writer. You know, not at all. In fact, uh, I did not go to Hollywood seeking fame and fortune as so many people have done over the last, say, century or whatever, since since movies began. Uh, Actually, Hollywood came to me. And the reason they came to me is because uh, some of the uh, uh, work that I'd done in, in, in books that I'd written and my, my doctoral dissertation uh, was, was about uh, this, this area of uh, uh, history. Back what, was in the the of your, what was the title of your dissertation? The, title of, the actual title of my dissertation. Well, let me pull it out here because I got it right here on the shelf. It was titled The Superiority of Preterism. An evaluation of the four major evangelical views of the return of Christ. How's that for a exciting title, huh? <laughs> Very exciting. But that was the idea that certain prophecies, if not all prophecies, were fulfilled in the events of AD 70. Is that correct? That is correct. Gotcha. So mm-hmm. that kind of was your interest in really that the, the the foremost account of what happened in AD 70 by Josephus, right? Well, see, Josephus is unique because he's the only account we have of that. Gotcha. I mean, there's, you know, an argument can be made and has been made by theologians that none of the New Testament books were written after that period, that the Jewish-Roman War of 66 through 70 AD. And that Josephus' historical accounts, William, are the only accounts that we have of that uh, significant, very significant time period. Right. And so what is, who was Josephus and what was, what was, can you talk about his life and him him being really an important, not just a recorder or historian, but somebody who was Mm -hmm. involved in the events? Well, he, he was a Jew, Jew, and he was raised in the temple system and, and, uh, you know, in in that whole era there. And he's part of the uh, aristocrats of uh, uh, the Jewish uh, community of, of Jerusalem then and there pretty well established and so forth and uh, grew up in, in, in that uh, uh, time and in that place. And then when this war began to approach, he, uh, he became a general in the army and, and, and served, uh, you know, to try to keep the Romans from uh, uh, taking, uh, uh, when they began to siege uh, Jerusalem from trying to uh, t- conquer 
And what, what was the cause of the, the Jewish war? Rebellion. <laughs> Rebellion of the Jews <laughs> against the Romans. In fact, that's what the, the movie's all about, or the screenplay. Of course, it isn't a movie yet. But uh, but the screenplay is all about is is that uh, that struggle how that how that uh, took place why it took place how awful it was you know on both sides of the uh, coin you know both on the Roman side and on the uh, Jewish side and the role that uh, Josephus a very critical role he played and how his roles switched because he switched his allegiance from being on the Jewish side to going over to the Roman side. And how, how how did that switch happen? Uh, well, that happened because he got captured uh, in trying to defend uh, uh, one of the outlying cities uh, during one of the sieges of uh, the Romans, and uh, and he he uh, uh, felt that the Jews were on a wrong track, and uh, he tried to get them to uh, to uh, so he switched over to the Roman side. When he had been captured by the Romans, right? Didn't he? Wasn't there like a mass suicide, and he was the last one standing? And that's oh, absolutely. Right and we got a scene in this in this movie about that. It's very dramatic, very right. dramatic, taken right out of his actual historical accounts. Right, his accounts as, as, as he wrote it. Right, that would be like Masada too, which is the last kind of holdout of that. Well, too. Masada was after this, right. so so this so this came before Masada. Right. I was just trying to make that connection between these two, these mass suicides that were taking place there. Uh, uh, that that, that was another suicide. That was another one. That is absolutely right. So it's correct. Jerusalem as well. So mm -hmm. Josephus switches sides. And then what is his role when he was with, what is it, Titus and Vespasian? Mm -hmm. When they were having that war, what was his role in there? Well, he was a negotiator uh, between the Romans and the Jews and trying to convince his countrymen to... Uh, you know, to 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 uh, quit. It's this, like, sorry, this, to this sorry to interrupt, John, but you're clicking on something. There's something either in the mic or oh, pen. Okay. I don't know. That's it. You oh, just okay. Did it again. Sorry. That's okay. okay. Just got Please it. Continue. Please I continue. put it down. <laughs> okay. Perfect. Okay. Uh, well, what was I saying? He he was the negotiator, and tried to uh, get the Jews to to quit this lunacy of trying to, uh, you know, uh, thwart. The Romans and and to and to and to uh, surrender to them and and be appeased by them and get back in their good graces and uh, of course that was viewed by uh, the Jews as being a traitor, right? So he was seen as kind of a betrayer, but he, something's still clicking. I don't know what it is on your end, but I'm definitely hearing it. Hmm. I don't okay. know what it is. I don't know either. You don't hear that. Let me let me, let me unhook, unhook mine. Maybe it's fine. Okay, it's coming through on my side. So he, so he was there. He, I mean, there's scenes, yeah, there's scenes within the text itself where he is regaling kind of his countrymen mm -hmm. and trying to get them to to stop this whole. Oh yeah, event, right. Oh yeah, it's you know very dramatic, intense situation several times. I mean, I mean this goes on even in front of the walls, the, the, the very walls that the Romans were sieging, you know, at the time. And, gotcha. uh, and, and they were, Oh, they, they, he, he was not in good graces with them. Not at all. Right. So he becomes a part of this. And then how does that whole situation kind of end? I mean, it's really, uh, uh, 
I mean, right. So it's interesting in that story because Christ is on the Mount of Olives 40 years earlier, and then Titus is on the Mount of Olives overseeing Jerusalem's destruction, right? Well, that's the way he came in, yes. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. And, and so, yeah, please continue. Oh, uh, well, there were actually there were three sieges uh, prior to Titus. And on and in each one of those, the uh, the siegers pull back and 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 cease their siege for various reasons that we talk about uh, in the in the in the script in the screenplay. Uh, and the final siege, uh, of course, was Titus's siege. It was the fourth siege of Jerusalem during the Jewish Roman War again of sixty six to seventy A.D. So there are four sieges, and uh, you know Jesus had prophesied about this and said, you know, it said, for example, when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, this is in fulfillment of all that has been written. Get out of town, right. <laughs> get out, and uh, many Jews fled. You know, in obedience to uh, Jesus's uh, prophecy, fled. And and we're saved from the the, the mass destruction and and, and uh, uh, terrible carnage that ensued. Uh, you know when the Jew, when the Romans finally siege uh, siege was successful, and and when they burned the city and 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 destroyed it totally, removing in in fulfillment of Jesus' prophecy, they removed every stone. And these stones were huge limestone blocks. But some of them were as big as semi truck trailers. William. So, you know, this, it probably took maybe two or three years after the siege in, in AD 70 to finally finish that job and leave that place desolate in fulfillment of Jesus's prophecy in Matthew 23, for example, when he said, look, your, your, your city is left to you desolate. And it was, and in fact, it was so desolate that Josephus writes that you couldn't even tell that there had been a city there. You know, it's kind of like a uh, you know, a building that's been torn down in your city, and and then the final thing that they do is they they, they plow the field over, and all you got is a patch of dirt, right? right. I mean, they, that that's they, desolate, <laughs> right? They cut down every tree within like a certain radius, like fifty mile radius. They did. And that city was notorious for its tall castles and structures and everything and those are all gone too right yeah well the romans did that in order to build the siege works you know to get over the walls and to, and to attack the walls and so forth yeah so so that was kind of the historical story so you wrote that and how did the beginning of this screenplay and that begin and how did you try to get this this screenplay worked on and then hopefully a movie made can you talk about that well sure uh all right, so so I had written a book called Beyond the End Times at that time, and the revised edition uh, and, and upgraded uh, is titled uh, The Perfect Ending for the World now. Uh, but I'd also done my uh, a doctoral dissertation uh, on about this, a uh, significant part of it, about this particular time period and, and the events and the, and the, tie, the ties in with uh, Jesus's prophecies and so forth. So... Uh, I had been a member of the Evangelical Theological Society, oh, let's see, probably for about six years or so at that time, and uh, had, had done some, had presented some papers there and was attending one of their meetings out in, uh, annual meetings out in, uh, uh, let's see, it was Colorado Springs, Colorado, that, uh, that November, and was presenting another uh, paper out there during that time. And then after that uh, meeting, there was a group that uh, uh, had invited me to come to their, it was called, uh, 
Let's see. What was the name of that group? Oh, here it is. Uh, after after the ETS meeting was over, they were having a, a day and a half meeting. Uh, yeah, here it is. The It was called the Preliminary uh, North American Consultation on Theology, and it was sponsored by the International Church Council. And it was being held at the beautiful Biltmore Hotel and Resort, and they invited me to come and be part of it. And I accepted. <laughs> gotcha. So that was the beginning of the yeah. saga, right? That was the beginning of the saga. And their purpose there uh, was to, let's see, uh, to create a unifying and generic statement of faith. And most of us thought that that was rather Pollyannish, if not extremely uh, lofty and, and unmanageable. Uh, and, and, and we had, and there was a, and there's, I'd say maybe 20 or 30 theologians that were invited other theologians to that group. And we discussed many different, uh, topics, obviously. Uh, and it all came to naught as far as I know, no, nothing ever came from it. But the one great thing that happened there is that I met for the first time, Dr. Ted Bear, uh, from Hollywood. Uh, Ted was the publisher and he was invited too. he was part of the, the discussion groups and so forth that was mm -hmm. invited. And he at the time was a publisher of movie guide magazine and now website, uh, which was a family guide to movies and entertainment. And he was also the chairman of the Christian film and television commission. And uh, during that time we were in, we were in several groups together. And then the, during the breakout sections, uh, he, he became quite interested in some of the preterist perspectives that I was presenting during those, those groups and some of the books that I had written. And we had oh, several good discussions and got to know each other and, and at, at the breaks, you know, and at the lunch and so forth. And then when the conference was over and everybody went their own separate ways, um, you, you know, I didn't, didn't expect to even hear from him. But about two months later, Ted contacted me and mentioned that he was going to be back in my neck of the woods, i.e. Opryland Hotel in Nashville, Tennessee, which is only about four hour drive from Indianapolis, where I live, uh, and he was uh, introducing the the new movie, Gods and Generals. I don't know if you remember that or not. Vaguely, yeah. Oh, it was a three hour, three hour, three hour movie, which was a strategic error on their part because that caused problems for the theaters in turning over their you know different broadcasts or uh, not broadcasts or showings of those things. Um, but he was going to be at the national religious, uh, broadcasters convention to, uh, introduce that and hype it and promote it and all that kind of stuff. And said he had some ideas, uh, that he wanted to discuss with me about, uh, some of the things that I'd talked about at the, uh, uh, d during that discussion, the discussions that we had at the, uh, Biltmore hotel, uh, that previous year and, and had some people that might be interested in, in doing a movie about that. So I agreed and I came down and, and uh, drove down to Nashville and we met at Rachel's restaurant in the Opryland Hotel. And uh, here's, here's the big idea he had for me. You ready? Mm -hmm. Yes. Here's what he said. He said, John, there's never been a big screen Hollywood movie made about the time frame of your book beyond the end times, which it was called back then. Now it's, now it's retitled and expanded again, as I mentioned earlier, the perfect ending for the world and your doctoral dissertation. That is AD 70 and the destruction of Jerusalem and the Jewish temple. And you're the one that has to write it. 
<laughs> now, please understand this, William. I was not a screenwriter and I had no idea what a screenplay even looked like. Right. So I tried to get out of it. And I said, well, uh, Ted, how about if I be the consultant on it? You know, like Tim LaHaye was a consultant right. on the Left Behind movie that they made and all that kind of stuff. Right. And he said, Ted, Ted, Ted refused that. He said, he just shot back. He said, that'll never work. He said, let me tell you a story, John. Uh, a few years ago, a wealthy Christian businessman had a great idea for a Christian movie, but he wasn't a screenplay writer either. So he came out here to Hollywood and he hired a professional for $100,000 to turn his idea into a screenplay. And it turned out a terrible. So he hired another one and he had the same bad result. And then he hired another and another. And he spent close to a million dollars and still didn't have a script that uh, he liked or he could get produced. And uh, Hollywood types, Ted assured me, can ruin a movie. <laughs> and maybe, you know, a few that they have ruined, especially ones with Christian messages in them. You know, he said, he said, no, we need your POV, your point of view, your voice. And then Ted laid this biggie on me. He said, after all, if you can write a doctoral dissertation, you can write a movie because writing is writing. Now, how would you have responded to that? I would have been very suspicious. I, would say. I, would, well, yeah, I don't know if those are the same, really. Ah, uh, well, I was more than suspicious. I said, "Oh no, and I disagreed, and I countered. I said, "I just came up with that." I said, "That's like telling a ballerina that he or she could be a tap dancer, or vice versa." After all, dancing's dancing, right? Right. But Ted would not back down. Your and mic he, is hitting something. I don't know what it is. Oh, I don't I, know whether I, you're holding it. I don't know whether your cable is oh, hitting I, I, it. I'm banging it with my. Okay, cable. well, please stop. I'll stop. I'll stop. Okay. okay. Uh, sorry about that. Uh, but Ted, Ted wouldn't let go, and he, he said he, he. So he humiliated me with oh, this. There it is again. You can't yeah, keep touching the mic. You can't keep touching the mic or something. You either I don't know what's going on, but that mic has been making a background noise for 18 minutes. Oh goodness! So I don't know what's going on. Well, it's just when I move. Up. It's when I move my neck. I guess you hold, just, okay. Well, something it's banging against something. I don't know what it is. You either have to put it on the table. You got to hold well, it. Well, I got a hand. I got a headset. Okay. So I'm not. I'm not touching. Something's hitting. There's something's hitting. I don't know what the mic's hitting. I don't know. Is the headset less resting well, on your chest? No, hmm. it's not. So well, maybe it's not coming. Maybe it's coming from me then. Well, no, I don't know. Yeah. But but anyway. Uh, Anyway, so he shot back. He said, he said, he, so he tried to, so he humiliated me and he humiliated, humiliated me this way. He says, surely you can write one sentence, can't you? And I said, well, he said, well, that's your first assignment. Write one sentence, just one sentence. And if you can write a PhD dissertation, you ought to be able to write one sentence. Wouldn't you think, William? Well, sure. And that one sentence is, is about, is, is about this. What is this movie going to be about? And then I will mentor you. He, he promised through the rest of the process. Well, William, what can I say? And then he assured me that in Hollywood, he said, he said, story is King and you have a great story and we need to make that into a great movie. 
that is so original and so exciting and so compelling that audiences will say, wow, I've got to go see that. He said, but first we have to decide who our protagonist is going to be. And William, you know how, how ignorant I was. You know what I asked? I said, no. I said, what's a protagonist? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, that's how little I knew about screenplay writing or movies or anything like that, you know? And he said, he said, it's your main character. So he said, who do you think that should be? And I thought for a moment and I said, well, how about Eusebius, the father of church history? Because he wrote about the rise of Christianity during that, during the Christianity's first three centuries, including the Jewish Roman war and so forth. And Ted said, that'll never work. Says it has to either be a historical figure or a fictional character that actually lived during that first century time period and experienced these events. And I said, well, what about you see, uh, Josephus? And Ted said, perfect. Perfect. He said, your first assignment will be to write one sentence about Josephus and what this movie will be about. Well, guess what? It took me a week to come up with one sentence and I couldn't come up with one. I came up with five. <laughs> How's that? And, and I emailed him out to Ted and then he got back to me and we hashed him out over the, over the phone and uh, got down to one sentence as, as we combined things and so forth. And then my next assignment was to expand that one sentence to one paragraph and then 10 years later, approximately, we ended up with a 126, 27 page finished screenplay. Right. Each, each page is a minute, right? Each page, according to the format that you I use, is, 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 is rule of thumb, you know, uh, uh, equated to be uh, one minute of screen time. Yeah. And so once you had your kind of uh, screenplay done, what were the next steps to try to market that or get it in the hands of right people? What happened? Well, that, that's a, see, Ted had all these contacts there because of his, his role with movie guide magazine and being head of the Christian TV film and, and, uh, uh, faith commission. And every year his organization produced the annual faith and values award gala. Uh, and report to the industry that that it was held in a big swank Beverly Hills hotel and invited all these big shots, you know, from the studios and production companies and and actresses and actors and all this kind of thing. And he had all these contacts. So, you know, I didn't I didn't know I, I knew I knew nobody and nobody knew me out there. So so the ball was really in, in his court and. uh and when we when we finished getting the screenplay up uh, to uh, uh, it, it, it was about let's see we did twelve I think a total of twelve formal editions of it and we must have been maybe in six or seven you know a little over halfway through the process although we we thought each one was a finished job you know but right. we just kept improving it uh, and that, and that was around two thousand and four well something very significant happened in in 2004 in the movie industry. Do you, you know what it was? I do. Cause I've read your book. <laughs> no. Okay. Well, maybe our listeners don't know. Maybe not. The passion of the Christ was came through Hollywood and just absolutely was a barnstormer and everybody, you know, I, it, it just blew and Bill Gibson, 
was the, the producer of it. He tried to get the Hollywood studios to take it and nobody would do it. No, and no Hollywood studio would even distribute it, let alone produce it, produce it or, or make it, you know? So he had to do it on his own and he shamed Hollywood. I, I think the worldwide gross was over $600 million. Right. And I think it cost him 30 million range to produce it or somewhere like that, you know? And, uh, I mean, and, and after when that came out and when that happened, everybody out in Hollywood supposedly was looking for the next passion of the Christ and we had it. Right. And, and we, we, the title we were using at that particular time, uh, we changed it later was, was called the coming and we had it. And Ted had connections with Mel Gibson's production company. Wow. Well, was it Icon Productions? Is that what it was? Icon Productions, yes. Wow. <clears throat> you know, you talk about a God thing, right? And timing right. and all that. I mean, it, it appeared like this was a sure shot deal. Well, Ted contacted them, contacted the production manager or whoever it was, the, you know, not Mel, but the, you know, is the guy who rent, runs Icon Productions. And he said, sure, send it over. I like to look at it. So said, Ted sent it over about a week later, he contacted back and said, we're going to pass on this. And Ted said, and Ted asked why he said, well, Mel does not want to become known as a producer of Christian films. Interesting. And, and there have been in the past, there's just been huge sweeping Christian productions in the fifties and sixties, you know, 10 commandments. These were all very popular and in demand. So they kind of passion of the Christ to me was like a return to that. So, but yeah. I think they had some other failures. Didn't they have the, um, the one about Moses? What was it? Uh, out of Egypt or something that would, that didn't do. Very oh, well. there were, let's see. I, there were several, yeah. there were several, several that didn't do well. So passion. Oh, yeah. Really well. yeah. Yeah. Um, and I used to know what all these were, but it's been a while. So I've forgotten some of that stuff, you know, but it <laughs> but, is but, incredible. But anyway, that, so, so yeah, we had, so we had to keep, so he had other contacts and, and he, you know, employed those. And, uh, uh, this project was just too big for him. I mean, it was a high concept, high, big budget film. Right. You, know, you guys and, had the budgets. It's like close to a hundred million dollars over, yeah. over, even back then, you know, back in, uh, the 2006, 2007 range, even back then it was, at, uh, when we ran the production budget, because uh, we had to run a budget on it, so we know what we're talking about when we're pitching it. Uh, you know, the, the the ranges were from ninety six million to one hundred and thirty million, I think, if I remember right, back in those dollars dollar days. Well, that was huge, and most films that are made are are made in the you know in the low twenties or thirties. Right. You know, so uh, uh, you know the contacts that he had were you know, we're, we're not capable of being able to produce that, that large of a film. So what, how, what were your next steps when you kind of, I mean, this was a long story for you. You kind of tr tried to do whatever you could to try to get the script in front of anybody, right? Oh, yes. So, so, you know, I'm going to make a long story short. I tell more details in the book, obviously, but uh, you want to hear my five minute pitch? I do. I, wanna, I definitely want to hear it. Okay. So, so I had to go out around Hollywood and start pitching it, you know, go into production company offices, uh, go to pitch fests, uh, uh, 
Uh, Expos. You, know, you went to Ex- Expos. You went to the you Santa know. Monica one. I know oh. the American film market I'm familiar with because I yeah, live out here. So lots of them. Huge, huge event. Well, and, and you know, you, you got you got five to seven minutes to make your pitch. So you ready for my pitch? Yes. All right. So here it goes. Uh, at that time, we changed the, the title to uh, Trader Warrior, The Days of Vengeance. So I would start out and they, they want to know what it was. And I said, well, it, it's it's the greatest story never told, which Ted quoted and I could quote him on it. Which I think is still true. I think it really is amazing that the story's never been told because it's such an epochal event. There was a change mm-hmm. in religion, changed Christianity came from that and then Judaism changed as well. That's right. So the first that first part of a pitch, you would you would say what your genre is. You know, is it a love story, or you know, what kind of is it a comedy, or you know, what kind of what kind of genre it is. Right. So my genre was high concept action adventure historical biblical epic based on a true story, and the background I would say this. Ted Bear, publisher of Movie Guide magazine in L.A., approached me a few years ago stating that there has never been a big screen Hollywood movie made about the time frame of my Ph.D. dissertation and the books that I have had that, that the books that I had. And I had to be the one to write it and to get my historical point of view. So here's the log line. A Jewish priest, an army general, betrays his people to save his people in the Jewish-Roman War of A.D. 66 to 70. During this tragic time, he struggles with a decision that will impact the ultimate fate of Jerusalem and the temple and the future of the teachings of Jesus, again, based on a true story. Here's the synopsis. In the generation following Jesus' death and in the shadow of his most dreadful prophecy, the destruction of Jerusalem in the second temple, a young, ambitious, but pacifist Jewish priest and gifted scribe is advancing in the temple hierarchy, but he's forced out of the temple service and into the Jewish army. He becomes a general in charge of the Galilean district and charged with stopping the Roman invasion from reaching Jerusalem. But he's defeated in battle and captured and through some miraculous but true circumstances becomes the advisor and mediator and historian for the Romans. During the final siege of Jerusalem, he tries to convince his people to surrender and the Romans to not destroy his city and the temple. Throughout this time, he struggles with the decision that will impact the ultimate fate of not only Jerusalem and the second temple, but also the future of the teachings of Jesus. Josephus is our protagonist. He is a real historical person who actually lived through these events and played a crucial and highly controversial role. His historical writings are the only eyewitnesses accounts that we have of this most significant time period. And the texture of this time is the clashing of three huge cataclysmic forces and belief systems. Number one, the paganism of Rome. Number two, the end of biblical Judaism with its animal sacrifice, blood temple system. And three, the emergence of a new faith called Christianity out from under being considered a sect of Judaism and free to become its own worldwide religion. In the end, And despite all his efforts, Jerusalem and the temple are totally destroyed, and Josephus loses everything he'd held dear. But through another miraculous and true twist of faith, he gains all he ever wanted, 
buries the spurned love of his life and writes for all posterity, works considered by many as a companion book to the Bible. In Hollywood framing parlance, Traitor Warrior is the passion of the Christ meets Braveheart with a gladiator twist. When you wrote that, did you have a lot of violence in the uh, in the screenplay? Because you said at one point that that was a problem for some people. Lots of violence. Well, it's, oh, it's, yes. it was a super violent event. I mean, lots of yeah. violence and horrible stuff happened. Didn't the Romans take and crucify a significant group of people up on the ridge above Jerusalem so everybody in Jerusalem could see it or whatever? That's one of the scenes, William. That's that's one of the scenes. That's right. It, it, it would it would have been R rated, no question about it. Well, I think they said. I think it, uh, Josephus said that once the temple was and they were in the inner quarter, people couldn't even step on the ground. There were so many bodies; they just walked. Oh, right now. oh yes, yes. That's that's another one of the scenes. Yeah, so what happened next? So you had your synopsis. I mean, you kind of really tried to find openings and screenwriting contests, but... Uh, uh, I, the, I had so many positive responses to that. I, I mean, I had people tell me, that's the best pitch I have ever heard. That kind of stuff. Right. But Hollywood also is, is a town, to quote uh, Dorothy Parker, is the only town in the world where you can die from encouragement. Right. That's you know, that's a great idea. Let's go ahead and not do it. Right. You know, that kind of stuff. I I mean, I got so ah, man, that is fabulous. That's a fabulous pitch. Yeah, send me the send me the screenplay. And then never hear from him. Right. You I said mean, in one thing you had kind of some guy was closing the deal for you for two years or something. Oh yeah, everything's positive. We're about to sign the documents. We 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 had one production company that had had a hundred and twenty million dollars four times, right. and every time it fell through. So that's that's had the money up and down. Had the that. money, and I t- I tell that story in the book. Had the money four four different times over a two year period. Had the money. Yeah. So I'm sorry. I, this is a movie that should be made. So hopefully somebody will find out the screenplay exists and get it. Because right now, I think it's cheaper to do the CGI stuff that you could probably do with this. Uh, CGI is not cheap. Really? Still still to this it, day? It, who knows? Mm-hmm. Especially to recreate something as majestic as this is. Right. Have you ever heard the theory that Christianity was created by Josephus in the Flavian dynasty? No. Okay. I have not heard that. Okay, well, I won't <laughs> trouble you with it then, because there is okay. there is somebody out there who claims that Josephus was real. I mean, all of the Christian stuff was made uh, as pro pro Roman propaganda, right? Yeah, well, you know, you know, um, yeah. No, I haven't heard. I haven't heard that. Okay, well, you're lucky then. Thank God. Okay. <laughs> um, we are at about 35 minutes. Is there anything you'd like to? Where can people find the book if they want to read it? Amazon.com. That's a good spot. All my books are on Amazon.com. All right. So you have, what are the ones? You have a perfect ending for the world, a greater Jesus, off target, 18 bullseyes exposed, unraveling the end, the creation of evil, hell yes, hell no, once a mighty faith. Do you still uh, maintain the preterist position? No. My position is preterist, idealist, postmillennial synthesis. Okay, cool. Can you unpack that? that, I don't know that uh, yes, that means past and fulfillment, ongoing, in relevance, and kingdom-oriented. Gotcha. 
So the kingdom theme from the next great reformation is you still see that unraveling. Is that correct? Oh, when you say unraveling, yes. Well, the book that I talk about is, is un, uh, where I unraveling the this, end, right? is, uh, is unraveling the end. Yes. And that's well, based, and that's based on my doctoral dissertation. That's what I did my doctoral dissertation on. Gotcha. So do you, what's your position about left behind that what you call chattering the left behind delusion? What, do, what can you give me your elevator pitch on that book? Uh, totally an error. <laughs> gotcha. Totally so, an error. So the left behind popularity, left behind popularity isn't deserved? Nope. Well, yes, deserved because they, they're dealing with fear and, 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 and most people's wants. They want out of here. They want out of this troubled world without having to go through the grave. That appeals to the, our most basic and fallen human nature uh, desires and wants. That's very well said. Anything else you'd like to add before we wrap this up? Oh, this is the this these areas that we're talking about in this movie and also in my other books is part of the next great reformation of Christianity. And uh, I recommend it to your listeners' attention to hear about it. Uh, one, one of the books, the book we did last time we talked was not my 96 new theses for the next great reformation, wasn't it? That yes, one that's we did? correct. That is correct. So again, it's uh, John Noe, N-O-E. And his website is www.prophecyrefi.org. So it's www.prophecyrefi.org. So you can check out uh, his work there and get his books on Amazon. Thank yeah, you so yeah, much, Yeah, yeah, yeah. And one other thing, okay. our, our YouTube, we have a teaching a series on YouTube called Greater Than We Believe. Yeah, greater Than We Believe. On mm -hmm. I will put that in the show notes as well. John Noe, thank you so much. Great book. All right. Thank you again, All William. Right. Take care. Blessings. Bye -bye. Blessings to you.